Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we're in and out all day as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 117th episode in the series, Triple Play. Woohoo! I, uh, I think this one's got a lot of strong one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I'll accept the charge. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like literally right out the gate. Oh, <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's pretty hilarious, but, um, but yeah, you know, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those, like, you know, uh, the family comes to visit type of thing. I never have liked Caroline. Yeah. She's (laughs) a real B. She's a real B. And I think it's like, there is a valid concern there, but I just don't think that the way she is written slash she performs it, it like makes the viewer, sympathetic <laughs> you know right. like the, the idea of it is sympathetic um yeah. the fact that the show actually deals with that situation you know with Dorothy and Sophia for example with Max and like you know like having the the pain of seeing your parent remarry no matter what the circumstances but yeah but I think they just don't it just it's too cram jammed into one episode and they just don't she doesn't come off well yeah um no, and I think you're right. Like, I think written, you understand where she's coming from. Um, but I also think to express it to Rose and not to Miles is mm-hmm. terrible and also feels very gendered. Like, I can't imagine Absolutely. that she would do that to, you know, like, I feel like if it was her mother, she probably would have just said something to her mother. So, um, That's yeah. Point. And this is an interesting one because there's, like, three sort of, like, subplots. Um Triple which they've play. done before it, right exactly <laughs> you got it <laughs> oh I got it <laughs> showing off the cheap skin um <laughs> but yeah and I I mean yeah I like it there's none of the plots go too deep either right so they're all kind right. of like soft like but I agree I think the one-liners are, are what stood out to me that's like most of my notes are just like quotes um like I don't know the Tennessee Williams and the seance like the buzz wearing off you know like I just feel like right you're right right from the beginning it's like this is gonna be this is gonna be a lull fest we're gonna be lol and exactly exactly and I think um <laughs> well before we get into the uh, the full uh excitement of all three little plots um can we talk about the fact that Blanche has a new book I talked oh. about her, her book <laughs> her teal book accessory later chatter lady chatterley's love her many times um, previously, but she's holding a new book and she actually flaunts it like a lot. And I tried my damnedest to, um, not, not, to the, not to the point of whipping out the DVDs, sorry, everybody, but I, I did try my damnedest to try to read the title. It just, it's three words. So hit us up uh, at Enough Wicker on Twitter if you actually can decipher what the book is that uh, Blanche is brandishing. Yeah, book. let us know. Uh, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a Tennessee Williams transcript. I have no idea, but... Could be streetcar named desire. <laughs> perhaps. Possibly. Perhaps. But that's uh that's not three words, Lauren. So we'll see. Right. A streetcar named desire. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to mark that. But um the reveal of the Sophia <laughs> plot is great. Like it just absolutely out of nowhere, like it again, you know, brilliantly tying the the threads of the three plots together. She just goes looking for a loan. <laughs> 
it's you've like, got an honest face i'll cash that check right here it's incredible i mean just like where but instead of like explaining it outright they have her just have this giant wad of cash that she pulls out of her apron i mean it's it's really it's great and then blanche's face like what the hell it's really it's perfect yeah i love it and honestly like they're not good with money so obviously like well i'm sure we'll get more into this but like i'm pro sophia keeping the money Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, especially now, you know, it's not like she's an elected official. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's very like, it's very interesting. Like my reactions to this, right. We talked about this a lot with like, you know, Blanche returning a mattress, the the bed, right. Of just like the, the honesty for honesty's sake, which is such a Rose trait. Um, And by the way, we'll get into like the Americana uh, issues like, you know, that were discussed by Kate Brown when she also discussed how Rose had this honesty trait and everything is, you know, it's just the right thing to do. But it does get into this fantastic gray area, um, you know, (laughs) during like the Reagan administration when they're trying to cut these benefits for everybody in need. Um, So anyway, it's just, it's really, it's really, really fascinating to, yeah, to have that your reaction was the same of like, eh. It's not that big of a deal yeah. besides it's 170 grand um <laughs> yeah and then uh you know dorothy's pronunciation of government oh i feel God. like is a real uh that's a real golden girls fan um easter egg and yeah. you know like the real fans know that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but um but yeah i love it so i love this i love that subplot i love the punchiness of like Sophia just you know like uh now how much are we talking about enough to have you rubbed out if you read on me (laughs) just bringing her Sicilian roots to the surface here um another great line again full of great lines this episode that it has to do with a subplot is when she (laughs) you find out that she's getting these checks right and they're incorrect um and that there are multiple checks. So of course she walks across the living room when she has the mail. She just mail call me, 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 me. Okay. <laughs> like it's just okay. absolutely perfect. such an example of um, that we've discussed before, which is like a written line actually being somewhat boring. Right. But the delivery being absolutely what the joke hinges on. <laughs> and she just does it to perfection. Yeah. There's like a rhythm to it. um yeah okay so we've talked about two of the the subplots the third one I like the idea of it I think it does make sense um car culture is so weird to me and and I feel like there's a lot of luxury culture yeah there's a lot of like Blanche chasing a Mercedes like a particular car um and I am grateful that I think in a lot of I mean I guess like in New York City anyway um, I feel like that has really kind of phased out as like a symbol of wealth um, among our generation anyway. I, I don't know that it's true for older people, actually. Um, but I think it's just but, replaced by the Tesla. <laughs> right. Well, the Tesla is definitely like one thing. And some of it is like, you know, because like, um, you know, we care about the environment a little more collectively, yeah. I guess. But yeah. also just like, I feel maybe that is it. And like millennials don't really care about cars, you know, like we don't really buy them um in the way that previous generations did but uh this whole theme of like Blanche valuing a Mercedes so much that one she wants one so bad there's all of these you yeah. know storylines about her getting it but she also like 
thinks that it's sort of like the ultimate bait <laughs> to like lure oh, yeah. men in, um, which I think is funny. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I love the little apostle line at the end. Like I love how Dorothy has to fix everything, but it's probably the weakest of the three plots, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's funny because Sophia's might feel more far-fetched, you know, like more rare <laughs> than this sort of like a, like a sort of scam happening. And it's just, it's really fascinating. But I think, I think what bothers me about it is like, I think you're right that it makes sense for the time. It makes sense for Blanche, her obsession with status and rich men and all of this kind of stuff. It's just such a, it's such a metaphor of just like this, a, a guy who would want this Mercedes is, is the guy for Blanche. Um, but it's, uh, it's like, <laughs> it's just the the least thought through of some of her scams you know like it's just like not only of like how she's going to control the amount of men that she gets but like to to Dorothy's point like didn't you think they'd be interested in the car and she's like no no as soon as they'd see me they'd forget all about the car I mean it's it it provides that funny line but I also don't think Blanche would be that dumb right anyway it's uh it's very silly it's also it's also just hilarious to me too just in this plot and others how many just like random strangers from the newspaper just like (laughs) plop in on the couch and like you don't make them wait outside this is kind of weird that everyone's just in your home everybody's (laughs) in and out you catch them you clean them (laughs) (laughs) oh my god also that i will say speaking of the uh you know in an outline is that this entire like series a sequence rather i think the funniest part of the entire episode this sets up the sophia and the dorothy's like barbs that they are <laughs> not so subtly throwing at blanche's direction <laughs> like, like sophia just like gives dorothy this look of like please can i when, when uh they ask how much mileage she's got on her and then Dorothy goes, let's just say she's been around the block and Sophia slowly nods and turns back to her place satisfied. It is a beautiful bit of just like pantomime. Sophia has absolutely no lines during that entire sequence, but she is the funniest part of it. Yeah, and I think it, it the next, uh, the thing that follows it is actually what I think is maybe the funniest thing in the episode is when um, they're trying to work on a signal for, hey, Miles is here. Oh, right. How about this? I feel like Rose Miles is here. When she goes, she thinks for a minute, she goes, got it. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. Just before watching this episode, I had watched um, like a YouTube interview with Joan Rivers and Betty White and just seeing how Betty White is an entirely different person, you know, in real life. Like, obviously I know this, but just watching her as her immediately before her playing Rose, you can just appreciate it that much more of just how perfectly she plays this character. Oh, it's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So, um, so good. Yeah. And the, and the other, other weird thing I want to point out is like, I really don't like when um, like cars or boats are referred to with female pronouns. Women. I know it's because they're weird? objects. It's such garbage. And it's crazy because the people who do that are the people, well, not everybody, but like, I think probably everybody who has an issue with using the correct pronouns for a person is somebody who also would refer to a car or boat as she, her. Absolutely. And like, you're owning yourself, dummy. Absolutely. Oh my God. Ridiculous. 
Um, yeah, that actually, it's funny. I didn't write that down, but it did st stand out to me and just being like, oh, this, this whole era, it's just so fucking annoying. <laughs> all the guys look the same, like a nondescript, like businessman, you know, coming. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay. So let's, let's switch a little bit and talk about Caroline. Let's talk about the Caroline Miles storyline. You know, um, yeah. I, I really love how cute, um, <laughs> Rose is in the beginning where she's like oh meaning his family you know like it's a big step and all of that and like they actually even though he you know like forgot that his daughter was coming <laughs> or right. whatnot, for his birthday like, yeah I know he like he like rolls with it actually really nicely and it doesn't I like at first the first blush you think it's going to be a like a, an issue that he was trying to keep them apart and maybe I don't know maybe there is like something in the back of his mind that he's like yeah Carolyn's not gonna like this but <laughs> but like it just, if, from from start to finish in this episode, particularly, Miles is just a model partner. He's a model boyfriend. He's like extremely understanding of all parties involved. And he stands up for his girlfriend and like his choices and all this stuff. And he like consoles Rose in the right way. I honestly, I just like, he's just a, he's a good, he's a good dude in this episode. Yeah, sure. because, because also like, yeah, he totally like stands up for Rose super supportive of Rose, super, obviously like super enamored with her. I think he does a really good job, um, Harold Gould of like playing like a little yeah. bit smitten, but he also like tells Caroline what's what without being a dick. Like he's not demeaning yes. or mean or anything, but he's like, this is my life. And also like, I think um, it's a really good depiction of parents being people and not just your parents, which I yes. think is, is challenging um to think of but you know he's like obviously your mother and I talked about this like we had a whole relationship that you frankly weren't a part of you know and so I I feel like it, he yeah I agree he's totally like firing in all cylinders here of like being a good man <laughs> yeah, exactly and I think it's you know it's really it's cute when he is like you said he's playing smitten very well and then at the you know if you flash forward to the very end like he's really cute in the kitchen with rose you know and just like making sure that she feels cared for and that he wasn't like you know he doesn't share her feelings basically she doesn't share caroline's feelings so um i really i really dislike i think the the moment that i actually wrote like caroline's an ass is where she looks like kind of worried about the food which is like supposed to be a joke and obviously it is a joke and obviously I wouldn't want to eat fish with red hots but um <laughs> but it like she just sort of does it in this kind of rude way and it's like you know I mean not Barbara Thorndike rude or anything like that but it's just like I don't know it just bothers me and I think uh, that's a testament to the actress like playing the character who is supposed to be bothersome but um but I just recall that look at the at the lunch table on the lanai um e e like from the first time I saw this episode being like Ugh. <laughs> yeah I agree I totally and I think it's good because she doesn't do that right away but she obviously arrives sort of like knowing that she's gonna do that yeah, um yeah, so it kind of makes exactly. sense that it comes out like as they're they're spending time together um and she also like again like it's, it's so sexist that like she goes to clean up Rose and Miles just like is sitting there like I know, they're both right? going, two ladies. Listen, um, I'll, I'll give it to him only because I just talked him up about being a good partner. It's his birthday, so it's his birthday, right? That. I agree. I allow that. Um, but to your but point, also, like, even if it wasn't his birthday, he wouldn't move his ass. <laughs> no, and what like you did this in the woman's home, like Caroline, girl, take a seat. 
I know the best thing you can do is stay away from him. That is like a rough line. That's so not like dramatic. A, it's not putting it lightly. Yeah, I think that that's really what takes it fully over the top where you're just like, all right, that, that's uncalled for. Yeah, relax, girl. That's <laughs> fine. Um, and then I love how they like, well, what, I want to talk about the Americana thing, uh, of course, yeah. but like, I do love how they have to kind of like, musical chairs for everyone to solve each other's problems because yeah, like Rose yeah. can't confront Caroline but Blanche I love when Blanche is just like so you know um oh, she's got nerves of seal just does not care excellent excellent just metals right in there and it's like oh it's it's so satisfying right like that's kind of Very. the reason where I actually don't I feel like I would dislike this episode more if like Caroline didn't get like not come up in, in a way but it's like it reminds me of <laughs> like sending in an east coaster to solve a west coaster's problem a hundred percent somebody from the pacific northwest in a small town is like having an issue and just you just send in a blunt new yorker in there and it's like it's so fucking funny and she just she does it with it like absolutely no skin off her back it's so perfect and i and i love that she sets it up like I think the other way that I love that Blanche meddles and it's sort of like a flair for drama is that she doesn't just say it to Miles. She doesn't just say like, "Hey, here's your business. I overheard this, and Rose told me whatever. Can you answer to that?" She literally puts it out there so that Miles has to ask Caroline, and she has to say it. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. I, I mean, yeah. that's like a. It's kind of a subtle detail if you like don't think about it too hard. But obviously, that's what we're in the business of thinking about these things too hard. Um, but the fact that she makes her air her dirty dirty laundry and not like not like a tattletale, I guess. Yeah. No, the confrontation is so good when she's like, "Did you tell your daddy about your little, <laughs> you know, like ah! <laughs> really good? Love it." <laughs> your daddy yeah Um, which I don't like generally obviously but in this context I allow it (laughs) no of course exactly exactly but I I love it um also from that scene right (laughs) she's like well I've had men call me when their wives were intensely intensive care and then Miles has a smirk on his face where he it almost looks like he's a he like takes a breath and he's about to respond and say something and then he sort of like just laughs you know it's like he just can't it's it's he does he plays the laugh break really well you know and where he's just like oh my god man I can't believe you just said that to my daughter <laughs> but he's like letting it go you know which is cool like I feel like he knows when to respond and like yes exactly granted yeah. these men were not pillars of the community yeah. um, but also like I think it's kind of funny it's like she go you know so so Miles goes to check on Rose and she's like talking about men having needs and things like that which is also just like oh man all right we don't have to go down this this way but it's really it's really nice you know to your point of like threading together the different stories of like you know there are women out there who stoop to any means to pray on those needs I know because I met them and then and then like the funny line from Blanche and then of course she like brings it all home by saying you just think you're lucky stars Rosen Island's not one of those women and I think that's great because you know, she, it's, it's a lovely moment for Blanche being lovely to Rose, right? There's not, especially as the seasons go on, like there's a lot more, uh, acerbic, you know, like barbs thrown at each other. And especially when like Rose isn't even there and speaking nicely about Rose, uh, it's lovely. So yeah, I love it too. And it's especially nice because like, obviously there's the whole irony of Blanche trying to trick all these men without the family car you know yeah. um 
but I think also it is a, it's a moment of genuine appreciation for Rose and not that she doesn't enter the conflict with that in mind but like she's doing it because she knows she can solve Rose's problem but then like it's a moment of really um I, I it just seems very genuine and really mm-hmm. like there's nobody wants dating your father more than Rose Island, you know like and it's true yes. I think we all agree <laughs> absolutely exactly she's absolutely in there for all the right reasons <laughs> yep um, all right, so let's tackle, let's tackle, uh, you know, Miss Americana, big ass bag full of money. <laughs> Very Rocco. Very Rocco. Very Rocco. <laughs> I know she took, she took a lot of uh, pages out of his book. I also love that she appears to be at the very tail end of counting the giant pile of money into the bag. And then when Dorothy comes to the door, she just throws the rest of it on top. <laughs> Maybe she just started. Who knows? But. Yeah, we don't. Know. <laughs> so great. Um, so yeah. Anyway, this this whole thing, like you know, I I love where she's like, "Your sister and brother don't have to know about this." <laughs> like, I'm gonna cut you in on this, you know. Um, but I think I don't, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on this whole like the the Kate Brown's point and also Debbie Macy's point? You know, from our scholarly interviews talking about how this show sometimes just goes like super hard into patriotism and sort of nationalistic American pride that glosses over a lot of the things that the show does rightly criticize about America, or at least about the way America is being run. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, so Debbie Macy, I remember we, we did an interview with her. She talked about, um, I think she used the phrase rah, rah America, which now Mm -hmm. I am using all the time um but I think that this is like the, the quintessential example of that yes. um and obviously like Dorothy has that whole like put the flag in my hand that blah 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 yeah, you know, that and you know like it's so over the top but where I would be prepared to sort of defend the writing a little bit is like I do think a child of an immigrant at this time, post-World yes. War II, especially post like, you know, in the middle of like the Cold War, um, probably actually does have that sentiment. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm not saying that there weren't people who were critiquing America. They, there certainly were, and they were certainly right at yeah. the time. But I, I think that if you thought of Dorothy Spornak as like the full person and like how she was raised, honestly, like, and also like her logic, like, it does make sense that she would have this feeling. Like, I feel like if I had to put Dorothy in, like, a political camp right now, I think she would have evolved, but, like, not considering the evolution that would have happened. I think she's probably, like, a Joe Biden Democrat, you know, like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's that's my thought on it. So I would say, like, yeah, it's not my bag, but, like, I I could see it for her character. What, what was for your sure. takeaway? Well, I, I think it's just, it just, it gives me, it just like kind of skews me out thinking about like how certain types of nationalism feel like America is beyond reproach and only like you can only say good things about it. So I think that it's like coming out of Dorothy's Bornak's mouth, who I look to as a great like critical, you know, person <laughs> who shares <laughs> a lot of my values, I think, uh, in, in the parasocial relationship that I have with her. Uh, as she is a fictional character, but I, I think it it just is weird, right? It just makes me be like, okay. And it, it's just, a lot of it is, you know, again, 
you never watch the show as the same person, you know, no matter how many times you watch the same show. Um, so it's just like watching this now, I have a much different reaction than, than even just, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and it just, it just feels very strange <laughs> given our per- current political climate. But I think you, Dorothy's Warnack as a Joe Biden Democrat is very apt. Um, and yeah, anyway, it's just, it's just very bizarre. And it's, I think also what bothers me about the scene is that it's just such a like, like saccharine type of speech when, when the reality is like, that money is absolutely life-changing. <laughs> and I'm not arguing that people should not try to remedy things, but it's also like, how are you going to return it? Like thinking about me calling the Social Security Office of the United States in 2022, you can't even call the fucking IRS because people that are Republican uh, running our government have completely decimated like the staff of that office. So it's like, you you probably couldn't in 2022, like return this money if you tried. Right. <laughs> Anybody in there would even try to track it. So it just like, I just immediately go to like the practical concerns and all of the money woes and things like that. And also just like, I don't know, you know, yes, it's morally reprehensible, but also, I don't know, fucking go pay a few more years for Lillian in the retirement home, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say that like, if it was 170 grand from maybe any other entity besides the U S government, I I might have a different opinion, but yeah, I mean, with the lens of 2022 and with how bad they truly are with money, um, (laughs) I feel, yeah, I, I definitely think it's, it's hard to say like how I would have felt if I was watching this live, but I totally agree with what you're saying about um, it never being the same river and it never being the same you. Like, I'm yeah. sure that I watched this, you know, like, I don't know, immediately post 9-11 when I was like 13 and I was like, yeah, yeah wow, I'm, I'm getting American. chills, you know, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now I'm like, exactly. country's burning to the ground. So exactly. it's different. <laughs> You are correct. You are correct. It does. This whole scene in the bedroom, though, does beget two very funny lines, which is the I was amazed. I was amazed that women in this country shaved under their arms, which, of course, every single time I see it, I'm like, wait a minute. No, you don't see the Statue of Liberty's arm yet. Let me look this up. <laughs> She's got a sash. Anyway, um, but my favorite line, which is how nice it is to be in a country that doesn't care about soccer. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. <laughs> My father-in-law being from Trinidad and Tobago, like he's just, you know, like that's like my husband was raised on soccer and everything is just like no other sport in America matters, but soccer because they're not from <laughs> America. And it's like, it just cracks me up. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. So wrapping that hilarious one up, um, let's go to Blanche's wrap up <laughs> where she gets her comeuppance. I also think we, we, I going back to the earlier scene, uh, I think we forgot two funny lines. I want to just bring out, which is where she goes. I feel like a fisherman with a new lore. And Dorothy's like, you catch them, you clean. Yeah. <laughs> um, as well as uh, the, <laughs> the part uh, where, you know, she, Oh, wait, which, which part of my, th- oh no, the, the, the one we were alluding to in the, the beginning, of course, which is men will be over, but they'll be in hell all day. It's just, it's oh, perfect. Scandalous. I, you know, there's a couple, um, there's a couple lines in, in this one. And, and I think in like the next like four or five episodes where my notes are like, wow. And like, I, you know, I'm not I watching know. like a whole lot of network TV, but I'm shocked that it got by the censors sometimes. That's I like, know. I know. pretty vulgar in and out all day. Wow. I know. <laughs> I 
that's really incredible. <laughs> Good for them. Oh, I know exactly. Good for them. Good for them. Oh boy. Um, okay. But so, so we're wrapping up, you know, we've got, uh, <laughs> the two apostles. There was no uh, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, there was no Eddie. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do love how, first of all, Dorothy agrees to solve Blanche's problem, but because she knows it's ridiculous, she has to deal with her problem first. And she definitely like puts that above Blanche's. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite because they're discussing it in the kitchen. And then Dorothy just immediately leaves the living room. <laughs> She's like, all right, I'm just, I'll be back. <laughs> well, it's for Rose too. Like ultimately, cause like, I, I mean, like yes. I think Dorothy might do it for Blanche anyway, but like Blanche's problem is silly and she got herself into this mess, but yes. Dorothy, I think does kind of sympathize with Rose and like, correct correct we'll I mean, do I, it so blanche will do it you know she absolutely took the right tack there it's just really, yeah it's really hilarious um but but yeah so i but like of course what we get is we get the um lovely moment you know at the end between her and thomas um mm -hmm. which is funny because like do you think do you think when he goes you know boy if i weren't a school teacher and accustomed to such abuse i'd leave too do you think <laughs> it, like you're just like okay then what are you gonna do <laughs> Do you think that's his like weird way of flirting? Maybe. And I, I think it's especially like interesting that two minutes ago we were talking about how great America is. And now we're like, oh, public school teachers are making jokes about working in abusive environments and everyone gets it. So like, where's the right. disconnect people? Exactly right. And that's my point of like the vibe being off, right? Of just like, oh, ha ha abuse. But I mean, hey, that's America, right? Where we're just like, we're so accustomed to things that we don't even think of it as a problem anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, I love oh, it. I love it. so true. Oh my God. I, um, I love Thomas. I think they have really nice, like it's, but you know what? It's pretty subtle flirting too. Like, I don't know if that's his open air, which like, Maybe that works for a teacher who can get it, you know, <laughs> something that relates to them. Um, I know. But I don't know. I think they they do a there's a good like little bit of like subtle tension and like flirtation for sure. Um, so I'm I'm happy for Dorothy. She got Sophia to return the money and she's getting a date. But I do love when Sophia's like, take her someplace decent. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. It's so great. And when Thomas leaves, like Dorothy has the cutest, like sultry look after him. It's adorable. Like, she's just like, I won, you know, like it's, uh, it's so cute. I love it. I and I love how she tells Blanche the truth. And she's like, well, and I'll be honest, like, here's what happened, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, the whole ending of it, you had this coming, you, you, know, you got this coming. <laughs> like the audience knows exactly where it's going. It's, it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> oh, um, also, so a few a few moments, if I may, uh, to harken back. Is this the first Shady Pines moth? Maybe. I don't know. I would have to control F in my notes. Um, <laughs> I feel like we must have written that down if it happened before. That's big. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's funny because like they talk about, they say Shady Pines. I know in, I know they talked about Shady Pines like in the actor way back in the actor but i don't think it's said like a shady pines moth i think it's brought up but i could be wrong i could be wrong we'll have to go back but it just stood out to me of being like okay this is starting at the very least it's starting the streak of when that becomes like a catchphrase as opposed to just mentioning shady pines or mentioning the threat of shady pines you know like it's like actually formed up and firmed up in that phrase 
um, right behind you. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, because you know what I am, I just did a control F on my note document, which is very long and I have some yeah. references to it for sure, but I don't have shady pines Mont, which I feel like, I think you might be right. So if anybody has any opinions about it, please tell us if we're wrong. I'm, I'm sure you will <laughs> call me out. Damn it. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, it's very, um, it's very interesting because yeah, I think it is. It is just like at least starting the streak, um, which is great. Um, but <laughs> anyway, also uh, at the end when you know Darcy <laughs> is is trying to kick all the <laughs> the guys out, and Sophia's kind of quote unquote helping her. She's like, "The car is haunted. I should know. I rode in it. <laughs> you look okay. I'm 27 years old." <laughs> really good really just and, like, great she looks up you know because she's so short sitting on the ground on the, on the couch and like just again like the glance oh man there's a lot of just like couch sitting action of Sophia in this one you know pantomiming uh and it's really it's it delivers wonderfully yeah um, the other the other part of when you know when it's first introduced that she has all this fucking extra dough and Blanche is like, where did you get this money? And she goes, I'm a grave robber. What's it to you? And it cracks me up because like that is just like Sal. Remember? Yeah, like, he was. I come from grave robbers. <laughs> I was like, what a like accidental throwback of like, you know, a uh, husband wife duo. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde who? Exactly. Yeah. Not intended that way, but it just struck me that way. So funny. So um, anyway, what else? What else do you have? Um, I only have a couple of things. One, I do think Rue McClanahan looks really, really stunning in um, particularly the last scene. She looks great. And yeah. so if I went there to buy a Mercedes, I would have forgotten about it. <laughs> That's what I say. Um, and then I just, I love so much. It's such a, it's such a sort of cliche Sophia line, I feel like. But when she comes in the kitchen and Rose and Miles are like embracing and she's like, not in the kitchen, you'll dry out the cheese. You know, it's just like exactly what you think she would do if she walked in on that. Um, And Rose and Miles are really having like a tender moment. And so like nobody busts that up more than Sophia, which I I love. Um, I don't know if I have anything else about, well, I do love when, um, they're talking about Rose is telling Blanche about Caroline, uh, Blanche, so uh, Blanche and Dorothy, I think about Caroline and Blanche is like, well, don't give her any cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that one's great. Uh, um, I think that's all I have. Uh, oh, at the very beginning when Sophia's like, oh, I thought my buzz was wearing off. <laughs> I, yes. I made a reference to that, but that's a great line. And like, that one's you really know, great. We talk a little like there's there's often references to Sophia being on like multiple medications, um, right. which is funny because it is also just a reminder that like they're living as older people who have to deal with their health problems. But like it's always you know it's just it's just part of their life, which I like. It's just part of the episode. Exactly, and it's like you know, and that that line is also an example of like what Sophia does you know the best in the whole like oh yeah remember they're old people is like making light of something that actually is just like really annoying and in a lot of cases tragic you know like yeah like a lot of people would be like oh I have to take this medication every day to like feel somewhat normal or like you know I I would imagine you know and I'm very close to 40 like I I'm already you know feeling parts of my body not not exactly hold up but as they once did and I can imagine that that only gets more and more traumatic so at least joking about how you get a buzz off of whatever you know medication you have to take is is nice you know it's just like nice to see 
Um, and to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. But anyway, yeah, I think that, that wraps it up for me of our, our three-part storyline in Triple Play. What do you think? Me too. That's it. All right. Well, join us next time. Uh, speaking of old people, we're going to discuss memory loss and whether or not you'd remember sleeping with JFK. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>